Hey guys, this is Ed, Paul, and Anna of Current Brand Media, and we are here to tell you a little bit more about our sponsor. Sportsball is a great subscription service geared towards minor league baseball fans. Each box features a different minor league team. You get a box every three months with minor league baseball gear, including different styles of hats like Ed's favorite, the dad hat. The cost is less than $12 a month. Proceeds from each box goes to More Than Baseball, the only nonprofit dedicated to the well-being of minor league baseball players. We all know that Parents' Days are coming up this summer. So if you've got a mom or a dad or a grandma or a grandpa who are particularly difficult to buy for, but you know they're baseball fans, this is the answer, guys. Meet your new favorite team at sportsballbox.com. Is there anybody there? <laughs> You know, we love these hats. Uh, you and I both do. We, we understand yeah. that. You look at it, when you put it on, you don't see it anymore. Everybody else sees it. Everybody else sees it. So what are you really wearing? You know what you're wearing? In a lot of cases, in most cases, I would say, you're wearing the feeling that hat gives you. What's up, Dad Hat Crew? Ed here. And on this episode, I give you guys a TV producer. He is a podcaster and a writer. His name is Craig Colby. That's right. We talked about his latest book that he has out now, guys. You guys got to go and take a look at it. I did put the link on the website, but the book is called All Caps, Stories That Justify an Outrageous, and guess what? Hat Collection. That's right. Stories That Justify an Outrageous Hat Collection. We go into uh, into this part one, uh, get to know him as a person, as a writer, uh, and then we go into a little bit about the book. So, guys, without further ado, I'll give you the episode. All right. Well, I want to welcome you guys to yet another episode of the Data Chronicles. My name is Ed, and with me today, I have Craig Colby. My friend, you are an author now. I mean, I have to call you an author because you wrote a book. Um, but we're going to get into that. We're going to get into that in a minute. Um, how are you doing, first of all? I'm doing great. Yeah, it's... Uh... I'm enjoying being an author in addition to all the other things that I'm doing. That if, if there's hope, we will talk about everything. But tell me, uh, the first question, if you guys already know, like I'm going to ask is, how did you become a fan of sports? It's a different route than most people follow. I mean, most people, they played sports as a kid, so mm -hmm. they watch sports, all of those things. I, I had a love for the Detroit Tigers when I was a boy growing up in, in Michigan. When I was, you know, pre-public school and public school, I was five years old when the Tigers won the World Series in 1968. And I'd be lying if I said I remember everything about all the games. I remember the feeling that the Tigers gave everybody. I had that feeling. But I wasn't much into sports too much as a kid. My older brother was a big athlete. And, you know, as the second child, you often push against what the oldest child does to create your identity. I was more of a comic book kid. Um and I thought I was hopelessly unathletic, but I had some friends who played football. So I'd play touch football with them. And I noticed that I wasn't bad at it. Um, and then I uh, could high jump a little bit. So I got a little taste for that. I ran a little bit in grade nine, but when I started playing football in grade 10 is when I really started to develop a love of sports. It started with football. My family is big football fans. Um, and then once I started in that, I got into all of the other sports as well. So let me ask you, because you are in Canada, right? That's correct. 
Okay, so when you were you're, you're saying football, right? And but we, I, I feel like we need to make sure that we talk about whether it was Canadian football or American football. Which which one did you play? Well, I played Canadian football. We moved nice. from Michigan to Thunder Bay, Ontario, when I was uh, uh, eight years old. Mm -hmm. And then in high school, I played three down Canadian football. I love Canadian football. I'm I'm a fan, so I watch it. Um, it, it's some, sometimes, you know, some of the, the, the rules got to me at first when I started really watching Canadian football, right? Like the Rouge and, and all these other stuff. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, man, like, this is fun. Like, you know, the fact that like the wide receiver gets to have a head start, right? When they, to run, you know, before the down, it's pretty awesome. And then the fact that it's only one less down than American football, it's pretty, pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, it's not a possession game. It's a big play game, right? The yeah. kicking game is huge. The kicking game in the NFL is is almost an afterthought. For the yeah. most part, you get like a 15-20 yard return. Um the punts are almost all fair catches, but they have a 5-yard rule in Canadian football where you have to be 5 yards away when they catch it so they can run. So the the kicking game, that third of the game is much more dynamic than in uh, the NFL or college ball. It's a lot more exciting. I can tell you that it's, it's fun. The fact that the goalpost is at the beginning of the end zone also is very interesting. Um, because well, the end zone is 25 yards long. Yeah. It's, it's humongous. Right? I mean, yeah, an extra point, but like a 50 yard field goal would be like a, you know, a 75 yard field goal. So, right. yeah, that makes a difference too. And, and I love when I see players just run into it. I think is I find it the most hilarious things. Like even the professionals still get confused and get hit, which is awesome. Yeah, it doesn't happen that often, but when it does, but when it happens, yeah. it's great. Okay, so you played as a kid. You play the Canadian style football. Um, what position did you play? Started off. I was a hundred and twenty eight pound defensive guard. I'm very good at that position. Uh, I moved to linebacker. Uh, the next year and was much happier at that. I played a little bit of running back, but I just blocked. You, you're, it's, there's something about playing defense is just so much fun hitting people. Then, yeah, know, than that the was the best thing. Second, the quarterback There's nothing better than that. There you go. Love it. Love it. Uh, so did you play any other sports? Did you follow any other sports? Um, I played a little bit of soccer mm -hmm. and, you know, I went to an athletic leadership camp when I was 16 and I played a little bit of rugby there. For the most part, uh, I was a football player, a little bit of a soccer player. And then, you know, I got into, inter, you know, uh, co-ed softball after that. I was also president of the, vice, vice president of the student council. I was first clarinet, first chair in the band. I was involved, uh, you know, I did the school announcement. So I had uh, like a broad base of things I was doing. It wasn't just sports. Yeah, in high school and and all that, my extent of like, you know, any kind of involvement was, uh, you know, a year of uh, of uh, uh high school baseball and then i was in the av you know team that's what that was my thing right there it was like chess club and av teams like i could as as, as a dork as you can get that was me so i was awesome. also a fan of comic books still am to this day so mm -hmm. listen there's nothing wrong with a comic book it is great stuff well people sure seem to be enjoying them now don't they yeah how funny how that has you know come mm -hmm. full circle now right how back in the day i was like oh no no comic book Look at them. Oh, Marvel is making a killing right now. Yes, yes. And I will tell you about my tiny little grudge against Marvel later later in the show. Okay, sounds good. Sounds good. All right. So um, so tell me, you know, you you go to college. Um, do you, does this the love of sports still continue with you throughout that? 
Oh, so much more. So much more. Um, I went to the University of Windsor. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad said I went to major in sport Detroit because <laughs> you could just go across the river and see the Tigers, uh, which I did all the time. And, you know, my first experience going into T- Tiger Stadium was almost religious. Uh, I was trembling. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, walking into that stadium I'd heard about for so long and and had been following the Tigers and loved them and sitting in that seat up in the upper deck third base side, little pillar obstruction, afternoon game, glowing green grass, beautiful blue skies, the white uniforms with the blue sleeves and blue hats. It was, I mean, it was like a painting come to life. I I, I think I trembled the whole game. Uh, I loved it, loved it, fell in love, spent so much time watching uh, baseball there, mm-hmm. saw the Lions when they were good, saw the Tigers win the World Series. The Red Wings were the worst team in the league at the time. <laughs> I remember going to a game against the Minnesota North Stars, and the Minnesota North Stars scored four times in the first eight shots on net. Jesus. And when they announced the attendance, people booed. They booed themselves for coming to the game. never seen it before or since, but they got better after that. So, you know, really, as you know, Mm -hmm. being able to go and be part of that experience is the stuff that really ignites fandom. And, you know, that just lit me up. I was in high school, I was obsessed with it, but I became, I don't know what the level beyond obsessed was, but Mm -hmm. that was me in university. And, and, you know, and that's, same thing. It was like, I don't think I've ever had an opportunity to like not love sports. Every, every day I love sports. I love every sport. So I, I, you know, like going to an event is such a, such a fulfilling experience, even if they lose, right? Because at the same time, you're like, you feel down because they lose or you feel high because they win. It is just, there's something about it. It is a love hate relationship that we, a lot of times we have a lot with our uh, favorite teams. It depends on how they lose. Oh God. Yeah. We went, my family came down in 1984 we were there to see the it was canadian thanksgiving which is earlier than american thanksgiving Mm -hmm. but the tigers had a would have had a playoff game against the kansas city royals if they hadn't swept it that would have been i think on friday night and then sunday we had tickets to see the denver broncos against the detroit lions and this is the first time my football crazy family had a chance to go to football together both my brothers my older and younger brother played football we were all captains of the football team like we were obsessed and we went to see the lions and uh, in my book, which we'll talk about later, I've got the stats now, but I think the Lions turned the ball over on eight of 12 possessions and just got destroyed by the Broncos. And everybody was leaving and furious. And we went down, my brothers and I, behind the Lions bench and people were throwing things. One of the linemen put his helmet on and people were throwing programs and paper. And uh, one of the linemen tried to, yell back into the stands and Gary Daniels and the quarterback who had thrown five interceptions pulled him away. And it's just like this wave of invective mm-hmm. going at the lions. And in the middle of this, my older brother yelled, go lions. Yeah. <laughs> Still we're like, yeah, I hate you. Go lions. Nothing was Cle- going to ruin his game. Right. So. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan. Oh, you have my, you have my. Sympathy. So, so you understand how it is because here's the thing though. Uh, I do know that you are a Steelers fan, if I'm not if I'm not mistaken. Correct? I am a Steelers fan because Lions fans get another team. Every Lions fan knows. <laughs> like, 
we root for the Lions and then we also root for another team just because it is like so my wife will be very happy with you because she is from an area where it's like you either became a Steelers fan or a Browns fan and you know she chose the Steelers so she made a good choice sorry (laughs) I tell her that she made a great choice because obviously I have a a lifetime of suffering uh, as a Browns fan so I get the the hurt right yeah so I should pick up a different team as well you know because I I think you're entitled you're entitled. I, I think so. You know what? I like this rule. You're entitled. If your team is really rule. that bad, you're entitled to a different team as well to root mm-hmm. for. <laughs> um, so, um, so you grew up and I was like, did you go into, into sports as a career? What did you do? Afterwards? I did. I still am actually after a long time. Yeah. When I graduated, uh, I took two degrees at university. One was communications and English literature. And I, I intended to get into the media, but I knew how hard it was. Yeah. And the University of Windsor offered what they called a special BCom. It was to compete. I have heard it was to compete with a bigger university's MBA program. You could get a business degree in two years. So I took that too. And when career day came and I was starting to look around for jobs, a woman that I knew from uh, working in the residence, I was a resident assistant. She was a head resident at one of the places. She had gone on to work at TSN, which had started, I'm going to say three years earlier from career day, you know, somewhere around there. And she had the big TSN banner, and I went up and talked to her, Mary Ellen Carlisle, and she brought in my resume. It was the fall of 87, and she said, I'm bringing it in. I'm giving it to Scott Moore on Tuesday, and you have to call him by Thursday. So I did. I called him by Thursday, uh, started a dialogue. He said, you know, keep calling me so that you're top of mind. Um, the people who call are the ones who get the jobs. And so I would call every two to four weeks. And they, there was an opportunity to work at the they were sending people to the 88 Olympics in Calgary to backfill for them. I declined it because I wanted to finish my degree, mm-hmm. but I kept bugging them. And then um, after a disastrous four months in radio, they, they hired me and I started at the sports network, Canada's version of ESPN in uh, on January 4th, 1989. And I spent five years working in sports television, started watching highlight packs uh, as a baseball fan in the summer. If you worked the late shift, you could come watch two early games and then four late games and then uh, by the time I finished, I was producing editions of Sports Desk, now called Sports Center. Because oh, ESPN man. bought a piece. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. It, it just, you just like, that's it. Like, I'm, this is what I'm doing. This is what I want to do. And I'm, nothing's going to stop me. Yeah. I mean, plenty of things could, could have stopped me. I almost went into insurance. New York Life was recruiting me really heavily. And there was a fork in the road between uh, New York Life. You know, the agents were opening up their bank books and when people had those things and showing me their bank accounts and <laughs> pictures of their boats on the Florida Keys. And then there was TSN <laughs> offering me not enough to live on. And when I told my contact in your life, this is what I was going to do. And I told him what I was making. He said, listen, I'm not talking to you as, as a guy trying to hire you. I'm talking to you as a, like an older brother. You can't do this, but I did it and it worked out. So it's uh, that. So what do you do now? Now I'm uh, an independent producer. Nice. I spent ten after spent five years at TSN or TSN, then ten years at Discovery, and then I went independent and worked for people where we launched the four, first four HD channels in Canada, and then we got bought, and I was in charge of a of the content for a Nature Channel. Now I'm independent. I've been independent for six years. Uh, I do a lot of different things. I'm right now and still in sports. I'm the executive producer for the National Lacrosse League's broadcasts through Dome Production, their streaming broadcast. The National Lacrosse League was nominated for a hashtag award for best online experience. We work with two other broadcasts or two other production companies who do live sports productions. 
but I've got most of the Canadian teams and basically Buffalo under under my watch. And this is the indoor like National Lacrosse it's, League that yeah, we're it's talking box about. Yeah, men is that exciting stuff. So that good. is it is. It, it, I'm talking about like there is some like hard hitting, just great sport. It's like hockey, but with lacrosse sticks. And what fast? There's so much scoring. Uh, there's you know the puck, the the face off has to happen. I believe it's 25 seconds after the the last after the last goal is scored. So you have time for two replays and a hero shot, and you're back at it. Off you go. That's insane. And then the fact that the goalie is so decked out and like, you know, can barely move. It's just, he looks like a fridge. He does. Does it? Like, yeah. I'm like, how is that person able to move? And then you see like when they take everything off, I'm like, you're the size of a stick, you know, some of them are, and some of them aren't. Yeah. But some it's awesome. Are. I love but it. The athletic I, ones are crazy. Good athletes. Yeah. Like, I, I, the game I, is incredible. It, if you haven't seen one, just watch one. Oh, they're, they're so good. And there's so many teams. Like, I mean, you have a lot of teams now and the, the popularity of them just keeps growing and growing and growing. Yeah. I, I, you know, I didn't know much about it before I was hired for this last year, but I'm a, I'm a fan now. I, you know, the tough part is uh, I'm working uh, on the broadcast. I don't get to go to the games. I may just have to just go to one of the games you and should, let them I'm take care of themselves. Yeah, like I mean, you got Colorado, you got Las Vegas, Desert, Desert Dog. That's a new team, right? You know, the San Diego team, yeah. Seals, Saskatoon, Saskatchewan Rush. So you got a lot of cool teams and a lot of cool names out there. So huge fan Toronto of Toronto Rock. If you're a yeah, rock guy, there's a team for you. That there you go. Like, and that's the closest one. I mean, you well, actually, I got uh, Georgia, which is closer to me, and here in North Carolina, the Georgia Swarm, mm -hmm. as well. So I mean, there's a lot of cool names out there. So uh, again, like I said, I'm a huge fan. And really good hats too. That's right. And as you can see behind me, I don't have enough hats as it is. So mine aren't in the picture, but, <laughs> but I and have this, a few. This is a great segue right here because I then you decided, you know, that you wanted to write a book. And yeah. What, let me ask you this. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people ask you, like, hey, that's great. I was like, what made you think, you know, like, you know, I'm going to write a book. Like, you know, what happened to you? Tell me. Well, it started with the, you know, as many things do these days, it started with the pandemic. Yep. yep. And not uh, the, the job I had lined up was to direct a two camera shoot on a luxury cruise going from Argentina to Portugal with five days off in the middle of the Atlantic. And it had like a submarine and two helicopters. It was just the sweetest gig. I was doing it for Discovery Channel. And then the cruise ships went away and then the show went away. And then every they fired everybody at that production company and another production company that hired me a lot went away. All my work was just disappearing. Wow. So I had to, you know, I was sitting in my little den here trying to create content to remind people I existed. And to my right are two racks of hats. Mm -hmm. I collected hats, not the way I think you collect hats. I've collected hats that have come with experiences. Yep. So I said, uh, got all these hats. I've got all this time. I'm going to wear a different hat every day until the lockdown's lifted and we get to be together again. Mm -hmm. So I took the first hat. It was a Pittsburgh pirate stovepipe hat from the seventies with a P for pandemic. And I took a picture of it and put it on Facebook. And later that day, all these people started posting their hats. So every day I would post a hat and people would post their hats. And we had this little hat club and it was 
time when we were in isolation, it was a way to be connected to people. Then I started writing stories, just a little paragraph or two about the head. I'd often write stories for Facebook that went over well. You know, I studied communications in English literature. I know how to write. Um, my stories have always been well-received. They're emotional. And this went on and on and on. And, you know, the people who got into it, uh, there's a now friend of mine, Jim Nottingham. I've never met him. I've never had a conversation with him. He's a good friend. We objected to a distant uh, relative of mine's political opinions together. But he would post his Vietnam veteran hats. And, uh, you know, there were a lot of them. And he would tell us that, you know, when he came home from Vietnam, you know, there were young women at the airport who just come back from Vietnam and he was all happy to see him and say yes. And they'd spit on him. So, you know, heartbreaking stories. Jeez. But every time he put up a hat like that, people would say, thank you for your service. He ran out of hats about 35 days in. And he opened up his garage to get bobbleheads and album covers and pictures of and autographs, anything he could do to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. And later he started sharing more of his story. He would write posts about his story, which received unanimous warm support for this hero, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody who sacrificed his youth for, youth for other people. So that was a wonderful feeling to be part of that, to have, to have initiated that. But I was also worried yeah. because so many of my work colleagues were on Facebook with me. And I thought, all this stuff that I'm putting out isn't helping me get jobs. I'm going to be the crazy hat guy. I'm going to be the crazy <laughs> hat guy in my industry. But, uh, you know, you're in for a dollar, you're in for a dime. I just kept doing it. And 125 days later, I ran out of hats. And I thought, you know, here it comes, right? Here, you have too many hats. Why is your wife still with you? All of the things I'm sure that, Ed, you have heard. Yeah, exactly. That's not, that's not what happened. None. What happened was people said that they missed it. They were sad that it was over. You know, my wife's cousin said that it replaced the horoscope as the first thing she, she read during the day. And my cousin, Julie, who writes mysteries, said, you should write a book. Put it in the comments. And I said, oh, no one's going to read this book. Who's going to buy this book? And all these people said, I would, I would, I would, I would. And my brother, who's the opinions page editor for the Toronto Star, said, I think, and he has written a best-selling book with P.K. Subban's dad. Nice. Uh, yes, uh, about um, how, how his kids got into the uh, uh, NHL. He said, you know, I think you should write it. And then my mom, who wrote a column for the paper for in Thunder Bay for 25 years, asked me to write the book. She had written her own book. She had had book launches. She loved my brother's book launch. I knew it would mean a lot to her. And I knew she wanted that for me. So I said, if I can get the permissions to use the hats, because I know a little bit about legal clearances from my mm -hmm. television career, I said, I'll, I'll write the book. Um, so New Era was in right away. And then I can't remember the order, but Major League Baseball, the NFL, the NHL, the NBA, Minor League Baseball, Bell Media, which owns the Discovery Channel and TSN logos here, uh, Blue Ant Media, who had let me go in 2017. I still have a good relationship with them. I mean, I understood the decision. Um, yeah. Wasn't me. It was the business decision. They gave me the permission to use their hats. Uh, the Globe Theater in London, England, Peterbilt, everybody except a little fishing resort in near Thunder Bay and Marvel Comics, uh, who would not answer any of my requests. But you know, wow. I get it. I get it. They're busy. They don't know. You know, they don't know me anything. I'm still looking forward to seeing Ant Man. So. I had enough to write the book. So then I had to sit down and, and write it. So really, you know, it's a memoir told through hats, but really the stories are about me, but they're designed to get people to think about their own lives. Mm. And that's the feedback that I've got. That's a 
that's a tough trick to pull off. Um, but that's what I'm hearing. So, you know, it was a bit of a daunting task. I never really would have thought to write uh, a memoir if people hadn't asked for it. But, you know, as a professional storyteller, I've been nominated for a Canadian Screen Award for writing. I know how to write. And I've sat around a table with beers for people. And I know what stories I have that people respond to. But to, you know, get a, a story for every hat and make it into a cohesive story with a beginning, middle and end, each little individual story to have one and then the whole book to have one. And then to try to make it not just about hats, but something different. My favorite writers are like um, Bruce Springsteen, who makes these songs that sound happy, but really they have something else going on underneath it. Yeah. And that's really what the book is. The book starts with, you know, moving to Thunder Bay and having kids throw throw rocks at our house and yell, Yankee, go home. You know, I was an eight-year-old little blonde kid. And, you know, the kind who should fit in everywhere in Western society, being told you don't belong. And it was uh, very instructive in how I saw the world, but not an easy thing to live with. Uh, but then you make friends. It's a story about friendships. You know, I think your audience will relate to a lot of sports trips and playing sports and friendships and falling in love. Uh, but, you know, the things that love you are also the things that will break your heart. And yeah. there has been some very particular heartbreak in my life. Some of them, I think, are maybe not everyone's gone through, but I think everyone knows about these things and can relate to them. So, uh, you know, I know it's working because I got an email from a gentleman who I don't know. The book was recommended to him. He sent me a note out of the blue. I'm easy to find through my website, colbyvision.net. And uh, he said, you know, I read your book and I can relate to all of these things. And, you know, my wife and I, we're both avid readers. We wanted to have a little book club, but I read nonfiction. She reads fiction. There's not a book we can read together. And she looked over at me in bed last night and I had tears in my eyes. He said, that's not something that happens to me. I've got nothing against it. But he he credited it to his Germanic background. I can't speak for the German, but he did. And she asked him what he was reading. And he told her what the chapter was about and what the book was about and saw how moved he was. And she said, well, that's the book I'm reading next. So they were able to form their book club out of that. So that's the stuff that um, I'm glad works in the book. I think I've answered about four of your questions. when You, you did. That's amazing. Five. I love it. Go ahead. That's fine. And and. I love the fact that like, you know, the human connection, right? The, you know, not just books, but like, you know, other things as well that you can connect and you have that connection um, and you are able to relate, you know, that's what for a good book. I love that, you know, and that's, that's key. Well, that's what the book is about. You know, it's about uh, the human connection and what happens when they're severed. Um, and it's about what's the most important thing in life. And, you know, um, uh, Sports are on that list if it means something to you. You know, when you think about sports, uh, they are really a great uniter. People who, you know, in a time that's so divided, you know, if you're at a game, you're not asking the next person next to you who they voted for. You know, you're asking, you know, you're high-fiving them when your team scores. You know, when the Toronto Raptors won the championship here, this city was the greatest place to be in the world. Everybody loved each other. We loved each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, getting that championship hat, it was the most popular item in town. Like that was the the thing to have. It was, uh, it was incredible. So sports is on it. But, you know, you start young and sports are everything. And then you get married and you have kids and you have, 
wonderful and devastating experiences and you see things in a different way. Yeah, it's so true. It's, you know, you grow up and sometimes, you know, sports is, is the, 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 the uniting part of it. Cause I remember, you know, you say the Toronto Raptors, but I was, I remember when I was in, in Cleveland with my wife and we remember vividly when the Cavaliers won the championship, right? Like, I mean, the, all those years of just being so close and, and not being able to get to the mountaintop and winning it. And then when we went outside, cause me and my wife, we went there to the arena, but they were, they were in, in, in golden state, but we were in the arena watching it and how loud it got. And like, I was high-fiving and hugging people I've never met in my life and never will. And I don't, will not know their names, but it was like, uh, like you said, I didn't care about their political affiliations or, you know, any of that. Right. It, it was all of it was pandemonium because it was great. And it was like, we finally are able at the top and said, finally, Cleveland won something. It was the greatest feeling in the world. Oh, I think everyone was happy for Cleveland. Uh, just the, the road you guys had been on with LeBron mm -hmm. James going away and then coming back. I think everyone, you know, we are all Cleveland tonight. Everyone was really happy for Cleveland. Yeah, and it was awesome. Um, you know, I wish we could get there with the, I wish we would have gotten there with the Indians. We were so close, right? Um, and I, I've, I've said this a couple of times because it was the Cubs. I'm like, listen, if it was another team, I would have been a whole lot, it would have been a whole lot worse feeling for me. But the fact that it was the Chicago Cubs, who's also been through something the same way, right? Like they'd been so yeah. long without winning a championship. I, I've, you know, I couldn't, I was upset that my team didn't win, but I, 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 I was not as upset. Now, did you get a, uh Cavs championship hat I got the hat I got the the newspaper I think I got like I bought the days like the next day you know how like you know the the for us was the, the plain dealer was like selling all of these newspapers about the championship so I bought like 10 of those and I gave some to my friends I got a t-shirt a hat a pin I, I got I, I went crazy and bought a whole bunch of stuff and even a pennant and here's the funny thing about hats in particular um you know we love these hats uh, you and I both do. We we understand yeah. that. You look at it. When you put it on, you don't see it anymore. Everybody else sees it. Everybody else sees it. So what are you really wearing? You know what you're wearing? In a lot of cases, in most cases, I would say, you're wearing the feeling that hat gives you. I hope you guys enjoy that episode with Craig. Part one, okay? Part two is next week, so you guys got to come back and listen to that one. Uh, make sure you guys go to his website, okay? Uh, it is ColbyVision.net, okay? ColbyVision.net. All of his information is there. Twitter, Instagram, and the book, all caps, okay? The, the book is called All Caps. Make sure you guys go and check it out, all right? Uh, it is in digital form, hard copy, and paperback, so you guys got your options to uh, uh, get your book there. Uh, before I go, though, uh, you guys uh, got to get your dad joke of the episode. And here it is. What dinosaur is a writer's best friend? A thesaurus. All right. All right. I see myself out. And guys, until then, keep on grinding and always support the minor leagues. See ya. This podcast is part of the Curved Brim Media Network. Here are some of the other members of Curved Brim Media. 
Hi, this is Ed Rivera of the Data Chronicles. Join me as I interview people just like you and players, coaches, GMs on the path that led you to become a fan of the sport. I'm Paul Caputo, and on the Baseball by Design podcast, I talk to minor league baseball teams, designers, and other super interesting people about what these minor league baseball logos mean. And I talk a little bit about ice cream helmets. What's up, Bucketheads? I'm Anna DiTomaso, and each week on the Baseball Bucket List podcast, I speak with a different fan about their favorite baseball memories, what the game means to them, and what's left to check off on their baseball bucket list. Hey guys, this is Patrick Larson from the Minor League Baseball Hat History Series. And in every episode, I go through the history of minor league teams through my personal collection of hats. You can find me on Twitter at at PatLarson1. I hope you guys enjoy. This is Patrick. And Corey. Of BaseballMapper.com. And we have made an interactive map to help highlight all baseball teams from the majors down to collegiate summer leagues. We want to bring you closer to baseball. So get on the site and find a team near you today. Learn more about Curve Brim Media at curvebrimmedia.com.